Jeff, we don't have an agenda. We don't need an agenda. We don't need an intro with a wild story or a crazy news item or a ridiculous proposition to debate. We know exactly what we're here for today. And we know exactly what the people are here for today. And that is, of course, to talk about our new headphones. That is true. We have matching headsets. They are wireless. Somebody sent them to us. Yeah, they, sounded... the listeners, the listeners responded this week in multiple ways. So somebody, we we begged, right? I mean, we're not we're not too proud to say that. We begged and said, hey, look, if you want something that isn't low budget sound, you need to to help us out. And hopefully and this guys, does sound better. We'll find out. Yeah, it could it sound feels horrible. better. And not, if nothing else, it's going to sound consistent. Right. It does feel but, better because these are like, it's like being in a studio where it's like we can hear ourselves talking so you can see our, our own volume. And it's, right. it's, it's supposedly, they are much nicer than much. our other ones, supposedly. But we'll see how good the mic is. We'll find out. But shout out to the, the listeners because we had a listener reached out to me, said, look, I'm going to finance your studio headsets paid for it, sent it to us. We both got them this week. That's great. We've also had listeners this week who have reached out and have wanted to gift. This is, I mean, we if, if we had an agenda, this would be on the agenda. Uh, we had somebody today on our, our VIP Discord that was a non-VIP subscriber that was gifted by the generosity of somebody else who is, it's their story to tell. So, so we will allow them to be anonymous for now. They gifted them a lifetime membership to give them hell Brigham to the VIP subscription, which is incredible. That isn't all. And this is breaking news, breaking news for us. That person has also gifted four other people lifetime memberships. The, the, the catch is that those four people are up to us to decide. Now, like anything else, uh, we're not going to just decide. We're not just going to pick this. We're going we're gonna to make this a game, right? So we're going to work out the details. We will roll out the plan of how to do it. You cannot nominate yourself. I know that. You got to nominate somebody else. They can be a current subscriber that's not a VIP member, or they can be somebody who doesn't know who Give Him Hell Brigham is. But we will figure out the form for you to submit your nominations. And then we will figure out who we select based on nominations of you guys, the listeners and the subscribers. Now, the last thing I will say is that the reason this very, very kind person decided to gift these subscriptions to these five people, the one who was already awarded with that and the four others who have yet to be selected, is because he said that the Give Em Hell Brigham community has helped lift him through some dark, tough times in his life. And, and truthfully, there's been a lot of people who have said things like that. We really are a tight-knit group. It's more than just football news. It really is like building that like bond that you get from tailgating with people or sitting next to people that have season tickets forever. Like it's, it's a community in every aspect of the word. So the only requirement that I am going to have is that whoever you people nominate, whoever you decide to nominate that, is, that you feel is worthy, deserving, whatever, of a free lifetime VIP membership, it's got to be somebody who needs that community. And I think that's the only requirement that I've got. I, I'm 
which we all do to some extent, but just it, it's one of those things where it's like, if you kind of keep that at the forefront of your mind, you'll probably think of somebody, or maybe, you know, it could also be someone who's already in there, who you've seen, whatever, who you're just like, actually, I want to flip them over to lifetime. So we're not going to say it can't be somebody. Um, and I don't know, I think what we may do is like, do some kind of survey where you can like nominate, because we have four to give away, like do some where it's like, We'll nominate six, like everyone can nominate six. We'll tally up who it is and then kind of go down the list. And that may not be the exact six, right? Like we may have somebody who it's like, we reach out to them and then they're like, I'm honored, but like, I got this for someone else who made the deserving, whatever. And we're not going to, you know, if that happens, we won't say yeah. like, well, it was so everyone vote the popularity contest was so-and-so, but they turned it down because they said they're rich enough. Like it'll just be like, they cool. will get Next. to know, they'll get to take it, you know, They'll get to know what happened and people thought about them and we'll move on. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that is very exciting and very cool. But the big thing that obviously everyone wants to talk about today is the major, major mega realignment news. And that is that around roughly 11, 1130 this morning, um, everybody's favorite, John Wilner, the, what is he for like that? san jose gazette or something san jose. san jose mercury news and the reason i know that is because i was once featured in the san jose mercury news not because of anything i wrote uh related to uh related to uh byu at all but because of my affinity for taylor swift i was interviewed oh a, a well, few other something. people were also interviewed but i was interviewed by the san jose mercury news and featured in an article about Taylor Swift alongside, in fact, they quoted Jeff Hansen. And then the very next person that was quoted in the article was Clayton Kershaw. So wow. I was before Clayton Kershaw. That's before Clayton Kershaw. And I mean, which, uh, I mean, speaking of the Dodgers and the Braves, do we need to have a carve out a little time here for the to for freddie freeman or that uh, gets you riled up and talking too much no no because here's the thing is the one thing that i know about the whole dodger freddie freeman brave saga is that dodger fans are tired of being freddie freeman's second fiddle and i don't want those dodger fans who are also byu fans to come and just hear how second fiddle they really are that even though freddie is playing for the dodgers and he wants to be or and he's winning games for the dodgers but really, he wants to be in Atlanta. I don't need to rub that in their face. Braves won the World Series, so I don't care. Yeah, that's true. I just think it's really screwed up that his agent like did him dirty like that. Yeah, which is why he's is. no longer his agent. the The only caveat to that is it was Doug Gottlieb who broke that news, and Doug Gottlieb is an idiot. So the, there's that. That's out there. And some have said that John Wilner is just the Pac-12's Doug Gottlieb. But today he got this right. He broke the news that USC and UCLA would be joining. This all happened so quickly. He said exploring the possibility. That was his yeah. original wording. Is that what he said? Exploring ex the possibility. And, and then, within what, like seven hours? Yeah, so it was like eight. So that was 1130 Pacific. So 1230 your time. Right. Uh -huh. um, yes. And then at like an hour later, Pete Thamel, who Thamel, Thamel, whatever, he said Tamil, but I don't know. Uh, maybe. 
maybe if he's British, like the Thames River with the TH in there. Um, the uh, so he said like that it would be going to a vote soon and an announcement could come as soon as today or tomorrow or within the next 24 hours as soon as tonight and so then it was like oh okay this is a big deal and then the first I saw then um Nicole Auerbach who she writes for the Atlantic or not the Atlantic the Athletic, the Athletic. which she is always I will say that she is like the female watch of college football like she is very plugged in and she when there's like procedural stuff like this of like this was having like she is on it all the time you know it, it it's interesting because you're right nicole and then uh brett mcmurphy are usually like like McMurphy, among the very first it's and like neither McMurphy, one of them right for the big family Auerbach. those are kind of um and then what's his face uh with si ross dellinger yeah, he's all yeah, over the like, um, The so it's like those four are kind of like they are plugged, and so the so she said that at six p.m. Eastern there would be an official Big Ten presidents meeting to vote on USC and UCLA, and then I looked, and at four forty-five Pacific this afternoon, both USC and UCLA within one minute of each other published press releases on their website for saying that they had officially accepted invitations to the Big 10 starting with the 2024 season. So this has obviously spawned a massive thing of like, okay, well, last summer, Texas and OU leave the Big 12, or they announced that they're leaving for the SEC. There's a lot of things. There's like the the American is going to, uh, you know, the American's going to pick off some teams from the Big 12 because ESPN is behind them. We talk about how great a Mike Resco is, and then Mike Resco really has a chance to like flex his muscle and show how good he is. Every he gets caught with his pants down, everything blows up in his face, and nobody really thinks he's a great commissioner anymore. Big 12, obviously, you know, people are saying that their money's going to be on par with the AAC. Some people said that, but it was always stupid because, right? Like ECU is never ever going to be as big of a brand as, you know. Iowa State even or Kansas mm. State and those are the comparable like the in the pecking order of the leagues and then there's they obviously invite BYU, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati. It looks stable. Everyone's like the Big 12 is looking around the room and, and this whole time you know there is the debate of like is the Pac-12 going to expand and in, the, in an article about from the Athletic Today um, about this whole thing they said that between George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, and Bob Bolsey, the Big 12 commissioner, there's kind of a handshake. They, they said like, hey, the Pac-12 is not going to touch your schools. And or supposedly that's what happened. And so it's, okay, so now it's, they sit there. And I think after they invite the four schools, everyone, and I've kind of talked to Big 12 fans at other programs, and you know, the, the, the vibe in the league is looking around the room, we feel comfortable now like Oklahoma and Texas were like way bigger than the rest of us, but we still have solid fan bases, solid support with these new teams. We kind of, there's a better, like there's a more homogenous institutional fit and with, you know, given geography and demographics and how, where people care more about football, we think if we keep winning, like we still got that big, the sugar bowl time, you keep go winning the sugar bowl. They expand the payoff playoff to either eight to 12 champion gets in, you keep winning ball games, like it'll work itself out, like just win baby, right? That's how everyone feels about the Big 12. And most of the projections for the new TV deals, I mean, for the last year have been, right, that everyone knows it's, it's really the power two with the SEC and the Big 10. <clears throat> and then behind that, you have the ACC who's locked into their like $30 million deal, 
deal till $30 million a year deal till 2035, I believe it is. Or yeah, something like that. Long it's time. something crazy long. And With then, like a crazy buyout, grant of rights, whatever yeah. it is. And then it's, it's a lot. The And then the Pac-12 and the Big 12, now the recent numbers, kind of what people are saying is that they're going to be in the ballpark of each other. And so that was with USC and UCLA included. Now you take those two out. And I did see some Pete Thamel gets tossed around that people are saying like maybe a third, 40% I read, less. I read 40%. Yeah. So what I had heard today. Now 40%. the big 12 is in a position to where, and they, you know, there were some people on, um, sports radio down here in the phoenix area i saw the um oh what's his face the guy that used to be in salt lake that lives down here now that a lot oh, of people don't patrick the monty show you know the patrick keenahan pk oh uh, i thought it was going to be the monty show that's uh t-h-e-m-o-n-t-y the monty show <laughs> oh i never listened to that when he was in, in oh, utah but no. but so keenahan he's down here now and he's like decently plugged into the two arizona schools and he reported on his show this afternoon that they had already been PK in- is in arizona no mm-hmm. he's not yep he's like he, re- he is for a local station here since um, when like i don't know like four or five years ago no uh, yeah. You're thinking um, someone else. Patrick Kinahan is no, on Jay Catch's show. I thought he left. Um, no. I th- now I got to look it up because I'm pretty sure I'm right. I've been wrong before, but only like once. Oh, no. Yeah. He's still there. He's still at KSL. Yeah. He's still at 12. But he has, but, he, but he's got Arizona ties. Yes. Yes. Um, and so he, oh, maybe that's what it was. He hopped on with somebody here this afternoon. That's what it was. And so he, said that, you know, they've already been in discussions, which makes sense because that's something, you know, we've talked about that, that where it's like, hey, if the Big 12, depending on what the like moves, you know, what the TV numbers are looking like, there could be a possibility where the Big 12 grabs Arizona and ASU and kind of, which would help solidify it because it's like, hey, you get someone who's been a P5 team, obviously it's not a USC or an Oregon type school that you're grabbing, but you are still picking off another p5 conference like in that right still means something obviously you get great hoops with arizona you get the phoenix market there's for byu fans especially like there's a ton of cougar fans down here a lot of alumni in arizona so it'd be great for us like i've want we've wanted that and we wrote an article or one we had a newsletter a month or so ago that i wrote where saying like what should the big 12 do to advance and it was said if you can get the arizona schools you take them everybody else you sit because you don't need to do anything and now we're looking at a situation where it's like you add in where now what are like, is Colorado going to go back to the big 12? You got to imagine that Oregon and Washington, they're not happy with where they're at. So they're going to get to try to jump. What is Stanford? Yeah. Well, I, I think let, let's take a, we don't have an agenda, but let's take a, a, a piece by piece. Look at this. The first thing USC and UCLA leaving the, the PAC 12 that effectively ends the Pac-12, which is crazy thinking about this, right? For nearly 100 years, they have been the Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac, whatever they were. You had the, like, three years when, because there was, like, it was the Pacific Coast Athletic Association, right? and then, which Idaho and Montana were part of that, right? and then they dropped, and then there was a whole cheating, like, booster situation, and so the league straight up disbanded, some of the schools recovered. Idaho decided to stay out, and Idaho decided to join the Big Sky instead of joining this original Pac League or yes. the Pac Eight or Pac Six or when it was. 
And then Montana also decided not to join because of like the schools and they didn't, you know, they were like, oh, they're cheating, whatever. And then at that point, Oregon and Oregon State, this was around the same time the WAC was formed. Oregon and Oregon State were debating whether to join the PAC-6 to make it the PAC-8 or joined the newly formed WAC after the Skyline Conference fell apart. And so Crazy. That, that's like, yeah, this is, and that was in like 1962 or something like that. And so, yeah, you're talking, but on the whole with the bulk of that, like USC, Stanford, Cal, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Washington State, you're talking about close, you know, hundred years with yeah, the, that core eight, the core eight schools. This is, and because of that, this is even bigger than OU and Texas leaving because OU and Texas, like the big 12 and the SEC, there's been enough like that that's been a jumbled mess over the years that, you know, Arkansas was once the big, you know, part of that big South, whatever it was conference, Texas A&M, obviously Mizzou, like they've, they've had a, a fair amount, we'll say, of crossover between those leagues over the years. But the Pac-10, the Pac-12, the Pac-8, the Pacific Coast Athletic Conference, all of those, the bread and butter was USC. Like that was the foundation. And they're gone. And so this effectively ends, while the Pac-10 may choose to exist, or the Pac-12 rebranded as the Pac-10 may choose to exist or something. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. There's no denying that this ends nearly a century-long relationship between USC and UCLA and the West Coast of football. This is them saying, we are no longer trying to compete with you, rest of the country. We are joining you. The West Coast wing of football has vastly changed. And what I, what, and I've seen, there's like been conflicting reports. There was some guy who was like a bleacher report type dude saying that Oregon and Washington had already submitted their thing. Yeah, he, he, he walked that back right quick. And then the LA Times was like, the Big Ten is not planning whatever. So, but I cannot imagine a world in which the big 10 just sits with those two teams on a total Island. So I'm going to write about this. A, a newsletter will come out tomorrow. Here's my take on this. Now, let me walk you through what I'm thinking. There is only one team left in the country who can call their own shot. Texas could call their own shot. You know, Ohio State, Michigan, they could call their own shot. USC could call their own shot. The only team in the country who is left that's not already part of the new Big Ten or the new SEC who can call their own shot is Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And so much of what happens next hinges on Notre Dame's decision. Everybody's looking at Oregon and Washington and everybody's looking even at like Clemson and what's the SEC going to do? Nothing until Notre Dame sticks their stake in the ground here's why okay the future big 10 will have 16 teams with uc usc and ucla the future sec will have 16 teams with texas and oklahoma those two teams or those two conferences it's my belief i don't know anything and that's an important you know starter with all of this the news about usc and ucla did not break until the day it happened so anybody who's claiming that they know anything knows nothing like everything is just speculation. And just like it was in the Big 12, all the remaining 10 schools in the Pac-12 
are just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks right now. They are trying to find their place. So we're going to hear some crazy storylines, just like we heard Kansas to the Big Ten and Oklahoma State to the Pac-12. Like we heard all those crazy stories. Right now, all of those schools are throwing shit at the wall and seeing where they can find their footing. So we're going to hear some crazy stories. But it is my belief that Notre Dame holds all the cards. Because here's the thing. why If you're Notre Dame, why are you an independent? For a lot of the same reasons that BYU is, right? You, you want that national exposure. You have your own TV contract. And you have a really comfortable place with all of your other sports in the ACC. And by and large, you can keep up with the arms race. So they, they feel good. Well, with USC, arguably Notre Dame's biggest rival, USC and Michigan now in the Big Ten. Okay, Stanford's not there. But... That's two-thirds of the, the primary reasons that Notre Dame says they like to be independent. They like their rivalries, right? They like playing Michigan every so often. They like playing USC every year. If you go to the same conference, that can happen. Like, that, that can happen. Okay? Now the new Big Ten also can go from coast to coast. So as you're talking about exposure, uh, what does BYU, or BYU, what does Notre Dame get from independence that they can't get from the new Big Ten? They can go from New York one week to Los Angeles the next. They can get true coast-to-coast -coast exposure. And when it comes to money, Notre Dame's only getting $15 million a year from that NBC deal. Yep. They get another they, close to $11 always million. always money on the table. Oh, yeah. And they're getting close to $11 million from the ACC for all of their other sports. So $25 million. John Wilner, and I've yet to figure out how the math works, but I, you know, why the way, why would we doubt John Wilner after, you know, he's, he's the one who broke this story. He thinks that the new Big Ten is offering, you know, they can pay out close to $100 million a year. Well, so the, this year, the Big Ten distributed $57 million. And they're, so they're projecting like that that was going to increase with the next Basically, they're saying that the Big Ten and SEC are going to get more valuable. Everyone else is going to take a haircut or at least like the, you know, it's not going to be everyone went up 20%. Yeah. It's like you went up 20% and the rest of you only went up five kind of thing. Like yeah. you're not going to grow proportionally together. So if you say, you know, it's going to be that, but then you add in USC, UCLA, Notre Dame, Stanford, and then, or maybe I think what is very, like, I agree with you that it depends on Notre Dame, which depends on Notre, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, Notre Dame decides they're happy in the ACC. Uh, the Big Ten's not going to move to 18, just to move to 18. They're not going to, there's not enough value in Oregon and Oregon State or Oregon and Washington even, or right. Stanford and Oregon. There's and not. if you're with the Pac-12 getting like, I think they got like $34 million a year this year per school. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're USC and UCLA, Yes, you're on an island and it sucks, but you're potentially talking about $70 million. Like you're talking about triple the revenue oh, yeah. Yeah. from TV deals for this. And at that point you say like, okay, screw it. We will just charter like freaking baseball charter, everything like chartered. We're going to do like reduced travel. We're going to do like neutral site games and Salt Lake and Dallas and like try to get creative yeah. to reduce. Like it doesn't, everything we thought we knew is yeah, gone. Like really a year ago, people rumored like, oh, the Big Ten is exploring an, Easter, an East Coast thing and like the four California schools and Oregon and Washington are going to go. And like people are like, oh, that's crazy. They're not going to do that. Like 20 teams is too much, like whatever. And now you're looking at it, it's like, okay, with those kind of dollars, who cares? So I think what will happen 
is Notre Dame will probably, I think they may give their time. And like, I think they may mail it in, right? They may be, I think they may decide this is it. Like, yes, we independence, whatever. But for all the reasons you said, like we can't turn down a hundred million dollars. And then that also gives you, plus if you add Stanford along with them to go to 18, now you say, okay, you Notre Dame, you have your two biggest rivals, plus Michigan, plus Purdue. Like you have the majority of your annual games that you already play wrapped up in this conference. You're getting hundred million dollars a year. Okay. That puts them at 18. 18 is kind of a weird number. Maybe they go to 20 and say, okay, well, let's take Oregon and Washington as well. And now it's like, you're at 20, you're going coast to coast. You've got five teams on the West coast. That's enough, like where you can kind of like, maybe for your non-revenue sports, you meet together for like a conference tournament, but like your baseball teams don't need to all, like you don't need to play everyone in a round Robin, right? Like you just play for your record and then have a massive tournament and like whatever, like you can make it work easier. So I think that is one possibility if they decide to go, to 20. And, and that's an assumption. There was an assumption there that the Big Ten goes west still. And which is also true. They could, there's been they rumors that they could go after like Virginia and UNC. They could go after them. They, they could go after Duke and North Carolina. They could and go honestly, after Kansas. If I am the Big Ten and I'm not. They need, they, you would kick out Maryland and Rutgers? <laughs> well, maybe. But I would, my, my, my move wouldn't be to California. My move would be, okay, we know our, the SEC is our main competition. We've got to have a presence in the South. My move would be, uh, is, is Miami an AAU school? Is, is Florida State an AAU school? You know, Duke certainly is. North Carolina is. My move would be, I got to get as close to the South as I can because they can go South. The SEC right. can't go anywhere else at this point. Unless the SEC... Because if the SEC north. goes to twenty, it's a race to get to Clemson, right? Like it's well, a and race. So that, to and get that's to... what, and that's what the SEC, where the properties are saying, okay, does the SEC go grab Miami, Florida State, and Clemson plus one more? And yeah. maybe that's like who I don't know that Virginia Tech. With that, uh, right? Like, I mean, there's just or North Carolina, um, or you know, like who's the big brand that you're gonna try to bring in? Now, I think. And maybe that happens. I think there is a scenario, and I posted this on the Discord today, that there is a scenario in which the you look at it and say, okay, if Oregon and Washington go to the Big Ten, mm-hmm. now, if you invite without USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, the Big 12 will get the pick of the litter for the Pac-12. And it probably, the Big 12 would immediately move to invite Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State. In fact, those four invites, even without Oregon and Washington moving, I could see those going out immediately because you're the, the Pac-12 has nowhere to go. The only, the Pac-12 has BYU, who's going to say no. And obviously there's the issues there with the school and institutional fit and that alignment. You've got the Mountain West. So who are you going to add? Fresno, Boise, San Diego. No, they're, they're, they're not going to do anything. They, they, the only they thing can't, that... the Pac-12 can do nothing remotely. Like the Big 12 was able to kind of circle the wagons and invite four schools 
that people look at and say, yes, this is the best of the rest. And given the resources, they will be like, they have always been within a punching chance of everybody else with way less resources. And like, they will take yeah, that step so and they will invest the brands are there. Are gone. There is nothing like that available in the Pac-12. Those are gone. Yeah. And those so are gone. I think the, so those four schools in the mountain region could go. And if they did that, that would get the big 12. I mean, you'd be leaving. So at best you'd say the Pac-10 contract would be the same as the big 12s but the amount of stability you're not going to have as many 9 p.m kickoffs for your fans because half your games are going to be in the central time zone when mm -hmm. a few in the eastern time zone AU covers three right now it's the only league that covers three time zones with BYU in the mountain but then you actually what you're talking about being spread out you actually have real travel partners not like people talk about oh add Boise State so BYU is a travel partner it's a five-hour drive and then like an yeah. hour and change flight that's not a travel partner right like no. a travel partner is Utah we, yeah it's like BYU and Utah we stayed at a hotel in Lehigh and then took a bus to each game and we stayed there in the same hotel for three days same thing if you're in you know you're talking about being in Arizona and Arizona State so it's in terms of reducing travel costs for the rest of the league that would be very that would save a lot of money for every school to add those schools plus you have the history of colorado colorado doesn't want to come back i wouldn't i'd say like look take it or leave it right now we're not going to debate this if you don't want to come back we'll go like we will go invite somebody else like in that well, and that's the that's the advantage that the big 12 has right now is the big 12 they could go and, and look at what's there in the pac 12 they could go to the arizona schools go to utah and colorado that'd be great for byu right like to have some western presence that'd be awesome but the Big 12 also can kind of look at what's going to happen in the ACC, right? If, if Clemson goes to the ACC, the Big 12 is, is geographically positioned to say, hey, NC State, why don't you come join forces with us, right? Or Louisville and Cincinnati, right? very long history together, and they're only an hour apart from each other. Exactly. Like so Pitt in West Virginia, let's get the backyard brawl back. They're an hour apart from each other. But, but all of this hinges on Notre Dame. Yeah. On what Notre Dame decides to do, because if Notre Dame decides to stand pat in the ACC, if they are content and they're looking at that conference and they're saying, we're kind of the big dog here. We like to be the big dog. We do want to get out of independence. So ACC, we're going to stick. Or if they stay independent and then they're just a talking point forever. But if they decide not to move, if they continue to leave money on the table and they say, we're not going to go to the Big Ten Conference then I think the 16, these moves, Texas and Oklahoma, USC and UCLA are it for now until Notre Dame decides to do something. Now, having said that, I think there's one last thing. So we talked about it, right? There's the end of the Pac-12 and, and, and you're right. The Pac-12 can't go and add schools. What do you, you add San Diego State and UNLV. Like that's not, that's not doing anything, right? Well, it can't um, add them and remain remain where they are like this is what like this is our same thing the big 12 went through it will no even beyond with the, the, the big to east. a bigger scale yeah no you mean the big east in like where oh no no, no i i think it's more of i think that oregon washington utah i think there are enough good teams there that they can survive i think they're clearly a step below the even the big 12 yeah but i think it's the same thing that they're having to reinvent I, themselves well so i think it's different and i give you say you have to reinvent yourself but it's there is not the inventory available to add right that will keep them at least on par 
or a half step ahead of their peers. And when I say their peers, I mean the Big 12 and the ACC because the Big 10 that's and the fair. ACC are their own thing, right? Yep, but the Big 12 fair. was able to position itself where you look at the other rest and people say like, oh yeah, they lost OU in Texas, but they're no worse than the ACC or the PAC. But now I don't, there's nothing that the PAC 12 can do to not like completely water down the burn. And they already had an image issue with like fans yeah. nationally at large. But I think there is a scenario, a timeline in which, and I don't know this will happen. It's probably unlikely. So I think it is, there's a very strong chance that the two Arizona schools go to the big 12, no matter what. And the big 12 goes to 14 and says, we're going to lock up the Phoenix market and create a little bit more Western inventory, help out whatever BYU, like we'll get really good attendance because there's a lot of BYU fans, like makes a lot of sense. The and I also think that Utah and Colorado would, if that happened, Utah and Colorado are probably begging to come too. And so maybe the big it's like SEC's at 16, Big 10's at 16, and the Big 12 is at 16. Oregon and Washington are freaking out. Maybe you can maybe take the Arizona schools and then you can, you know, play hardball with Oregon and Washington and try to pull them. I don't know if their state legislatures will let them go without Wazoo and Oregon State. That is a big question mark. I, uh, if I'm George Klyovkov, the only move that the Pac-12, the only offensive move that they can make is a full-on merger with the Big 12 Conference. And I don't think that's going to happen. It's the only one. It's no, the only way that it can, can happen. And I don't think you're, I think you're right. I don't think it's going to happen because it, it gets enough. It won't add enough value for these Big 12 schools to deal with Oregon State and Wazoo and Cal. Yeah, it's going to be too difficult. And, and 22 teams is such a weird number. Yep. Like and if then, it were 24 teams and maybe you go 12 and 12 and it sort of makes sense, but at 22 teams. And they could call the weird. Pacific conference and they could have 12 and then they could call the other one, like the big conference and have like, so there's like the PAC 12 and then the big 12. I get it. They could. And then just have one championship game. Yeah. Maybe like they could play that one uh, UCLA stadium. California's yeah. nice. Yeah. That'd be perfect. We wouldn't call it the Rose bowl though. It'd be like the Daisy bowl. Yeah. But we the could tulip. the tulip bowl, but I mean that's really that's the only offensive move that they can make. They can make, and I agree with you, it's not going to happen. Uh, I do think that Oregon and Washington. We had what was the guy's name? I don't even remember his name. The Pac-12 dude, the lawyer. Oh, was um, on the show. Well, we had the Pac-12 lawyer guy that he wrote a book. I can't remember his name, and I feel like we should remember his name. But he's the one who brought that to light. That that Oregon and Washington have some crazy state laws that it's going to make it really hard for Oregon and Washington to move without their associated state schools. I, I don't want to say impossible. I think if I remember right, he said near impossible. Yeah. When looking at hundreds, tens of millions, potentially a hundred million dollars a year, I think that's enough com like a, of a compelling argument that state legislatures will say, well, we need to get that money into our public schools like into our public universities. So I think those laws would likely be changed and be contingent on like, okay, Oregon, you can go without Oregon state, but you're going to have to play Oregon state one year or one game a year, no matter what. Yeah. You have to pay them every year and you got to give them $5 million or something. Yeah. Something, know. something like that. I mean, so I think that there's a path, but it isn't a path that the Oregon president has any control over. It's a path that the Oregon state government has to figure out. And for a lot of reasons, I mean, I thought that, Cal and UCLA may be tied the same way. Yeah. And that 
divorce apparently happened as well. Um, by the way, so I think there is a timeline though, where those four mountain schools join the Big 12. The Big 12 is at 16. Maybe they try to pick off Oregon and Washington. Maybe they don't. Uh, Stanford, or maybe Stanford, Oregon, Washington, Notre Dame go to the Big 10. The Big 10 gets to 20. The SEC takes FSU, Miami, and Clemson, and like Duke or North Carolina. Then that puts the SEC at 20. And now the Big 12, which is now the Big 16, takes four SEC schools. And we go get like Virginia Tech. Somehow, I mean, if, if Duke and UNC are both on the table and Clemson, FSU, and Miami have all left the ACC, go try to get Duke and UNC and take like, or get like Virginia Tech, Pitt, Louisville, and, you know, NC State, like one other school, Georgia Tech. Some get in that now you're at, you've got the best brands from the ACC. You've mm-hmm. got more mountain inventory. The Pac-12 is left with like, Stanford, depending on what they do, it's like Stanford, Cal, Wazoo, Oregon State. And what are they going to do? Like Mm -hmm. at that point, the pack either has to say, okay, we want to go to 12 teams. So we're going to invite eight Mountain West schools, or we're just going to do a wholesale merger with the Mountain West, invite all 12 Mountain West football schools. So like if you have to rank, okay, so here's the thing. If you had to, if you were The, the four leftover, assuming Oregon and Washington bounce and those mountain schools leave and go to the Big 12. Or maybe the mountain schools and Oregon, Washington go to the Big 12 and they go to 16, right? Um, the But I do think I agree with you where the Big 12, like shore up that Western side and then try to, or try to get some ACC team. I think that's where can. the future really and then, is. So you can or... kind of cut off and kind of build over but so if you are those four mountain schools if you are trying to say who you're going to invite to save your athletic programs do you which i think even it would be similar to like the big east and becoming the american where mm-hmm. the big east was down to usf cincy and yukon and they invited like nine teams to join them because they were still the legal structure that was like tied to the BCS or whatever. So the Mountain West will not do any inviting. Like they would, the Pac-12, even if Stanford, like even if it was three schools left, would invite the 12 Mountain West schools before any of them join the Mountain West. Because yeah, on the NCAA crazy. bylaws, like the Pac- Pac-12 LLC, whatever, is like that entity itself is written in the uh, in the NCAA bylaws as an autonomous conference. So they're not mm-hmm. going to shift that legal entity. But like, would you, do you say, do you just straight up invite the whole Mountain West to join you? Or are you going to say, <laughs> or are you going to say, well, let's just get to 12. And so we don't water it down too much, even though this sucks. Like we know nobody else is going to take them. And you invite like eight teams. It's so crazy. I mean, it really Which, is crazy. Like in that, in yeah. So it's like what you got, Obviously, Boise, San Diego, Fresno, Colorado State. Those would be like the four, the first four from the Mountain West that would get added. Bar. Then who like then what do you say? You're gonna try to convince yourself that UNLV is the same way the Mountain West convinced themselves to invite whack newcomer UNLV because of Vegas. No, oh, the hundred percent that's where they'd go. So then they take that's five, and then what do they need to take? 
yeah. San Jose. The, the remainder, you have San Jose, Utah State, New Mexico, uh, Wyoming, Hawaii. I think, you, I think you make your last three or four decisions based on do they have an airport? Sorry, Aggies. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, like it's going to be a pain in the ass. Let's at least make it easy to travel. And yeah, and it's so you could see where then it's, you know, some teams get left behind where it's like, okay, well, Wyoming, you're close to nobody without Colorado State and those other schools. New Mexico, at least you have New Mexico State and UTEP close. You can go join Conference USA, but your athletic program is dead. I mean, it wasn't much to begin with, but it's like. It's nuts. It's nuts to think about what the ramifications could be. Yeah. Uh, But it all starts with, I believe, the Big Ten and Notre Dame. But Notre Dame, now I I mentioned this. This is important to, to note. AAU membership really does matter to the Big Ten Conference. Going does through, I have still, the, though. It, I, I think so. Nebraska so, got kicked out of the AAU after joining the Big Ten, and nobody cared. Well, uh, but they were there at one point when they were accepted. Like To my knowledge, and I'm looking up, the, I have the list here. To my knowledge, the Big Ten has not added any teams that are not AAU schools. Now, they had Nebraska that was no longer at well, and is, is UCLA an AAU school? UCLA uh-huh. may not be, so that might already change that a little bit. List of AAU schools. No, UCLA is not. 60, oh, yes, they are. I'm looking at right. it right now. Oh, well, so, oh, there they are, right there. Okay, so here's the schools that, I, to my knowledge, they have not added any schools that were not an AAU school. Correct. So if, if we accept that as truth, that we're not going to expand unless it's an AAU school. Here's really the options that they're looking at. Like Duke, Duke could leave the ACC. Texas A&M's not leaving the ACC. They're the SEC. Uh, University of Virginia is an option. Georgia Tech is an option. Georgia Tech would honestly be like my first call. Get me into that Georgia recruiting market and have a big metal, middle finger to those Southern schools and say, hey, we're here too. Georgia Tech would be my first call. Uh, the University of Washington. Colorado, uh, Florida is not leaving. Arizona, Oregon, Pitt. Oregon, Kansas, Pitt, um, Cal yeah. and Stanford, Cal, Stanford, and that's pretty. And Utah. I will say I will die inside if somehow Utah manages to fall ass first into a Big Ten invitation, and I don't think it will happen. <laughs> I just don't see it happening, man. I really don't because the Big Ten, I, I guess. I mean, I, I get. I, I have to think that the Big Ten, Utah has established a brand of tough-nosed football, but Kyle Whittingham has established a brand of tough-nosed football, right? And if, if Kyle Whittingham were to leave tomorrow and they hire, you know, Scally or whoever they hire, and they don't pick up right where Whittingham left off, then Utah is no longer the Utah brand. Right now, that brand is, it's the Lavelle Edwards brand. And we saw what happened to BYU, right? Like BYU in the 90s, the 80s and 90s, they were a brand. Like everybody knew BYU. And that was where, where, you know, those original Big 12 conversations started to happen. But then when Lavelle retired and, it was no longer Lavelle's program. It was BYU on its own merit. It took a decade for BYU to figure out who they were without Lavelle Edwards. 
right. they've reestablished that brand, but it took time to get there. And that wasn't because of wins and losses, right? Like Gary Croton, 2001, BYU was in the national landscape, but it was already a very different BYU team to, to the point that you had the BCS saying, there's no way you're getting in no matter what you do. Right. Like that's, that's what they were saying. I don't think that they're saying that if it's Lavelle Edwards at that point. It's, so they already had a reputation in a, a problem and BYU had to, to reinvent themselves and be respected. And I think that Utah's in that same boat. And that's not a slight. That's not a disrespect towards Utah. That's just the reality that Kyle Whittingham has built a brand. But Utah athletics as a whole, no. They just have a really good football coach who has made them a really good football team. But without that coach, what are they? We don't even know. That's not to say they suck. We don't know. Right. And I think that's where, where Utah is going to run into issues. And, and we just went through that list, right? Uh, wouldn't you much rather add Duke? Like Duke isn't nearly the football program that Utah is, but they're in a better recruiting ground. They're a way better basketball program. It's a way uh, better would, travel for the majority of the league. Vast majority. Like you already have USC and UCLA, so you don't need to bend over backwards to that. I mean, that's really the thing. USC and UCLA agreed being the only people on the island. So right. you don't need to like unless they immediately are like tomorrow extending invitations to Oregon and Washington and it was all planned for the four of them to go together. Like you don't need to do that. You just say, hey, that sucks. You signed up for this, like deal with it. You have a lot of crappy travel. Right. And I also, I mean, if they are going to help them out, I, I think Arizona is probably more appealing than Utah. I, I really do. Arizona is not a, as good of a football program today, but they have potential. They've been good in the past. They're a way better basketball program. They're a, a better athletic program as a whole. They've won national championships in baseball. Uh, I think Arizona, and they're an AAU school too. I think Arizona is more appealing than Salt Lake City. Yeah, so with the, right now, with the USC and UCLA leaving, the Pac-12 is the only P5 conference that does not have a national, like in, that does not have an, AP national champion. I, I read a tweet today that in like the last 25 years, the only school without UC, USC and UCLA who has recruited at a top 25 level in, in, is Oregon. Yeah, aver done, averaging like, over the average. And they're like 18th. Yep. Like all of the things that, that Utah fans mocked over the last however many months, six months, uh, it's worse. It's worse. It's much, much worse for, for the Pac-12 right now. Yeah. And, and so a Utah fan, a friend of mine, friend of the show, friend of the newsletter, he tried to – I feel for Utah fans one tiny bit. They're not used nah, to this screw ridicule. <laughs> They're not used to this ridicule. We're used to it. They'll get used to it, and I'm in no way suggesting that the ridicule should stop. But uh, – the news is fresh. The wound is open. It's painful. We've been there. I understand that pain. So I don't maybe feel bad. That's the wrong word. But I understand their pain today. It's tough. We've been there many, many times over the last 12 years. It's tough. And I think in their, in their upsetness, a friend of the show, he said, well, BYU's in the same boat because... Mm, nope. If, if the tornado, it feels like you're laughing at your tornado because they're laughing at your neighbor because a tornado destroyed their house. 
but it's on its route to your house too. And fine, I can accept that argument. I don't agree, but I can accept that argument. But I don't think that's what this is. I think this is, even if we say the Big 12 sucks and BYU is on as shaky ground as anybody else, this is Utah mocked you when they got married and they married a rich girl. They got out of the, you know, out of the, the projects and they left you and they made fun of you for not getting out. Well, now that left girl or that, that girl that you married that, that helped you get out of the projects, she's leaving you for somebody else and you're moving back in with your parents and your neighbors who you mocked for the last decade are still there and looking at you and going, <laughs> you had a golden ticket and you still couldn't figure it out. Right. And it's, it's I, different. It's different. And honestly, there is, I don't think there is anybody other than maybe Kansas for basketball, which if the big 12 loses Kansas, that's not a big deal. Like that is the, Big 10 is taking them because it's always an AAU school and basketball. And then it like, they're taking them because it will add another football win and like, <laughs> it'll help basketball, but it, it's not going to cripple the big 12 in any way. No, right. No, and so no. you can find, so and it's, I don't think there's any big 12 schools that the sec is going to take. And there's really none other than Kansas, maybe Iowa state that the big 10 is going to take. And so when you're talking maybe, about like maybe Oklahoma state's core, appealing in the sec, but not really. Yeah. It's like the core, the absolute core of the conference is still like the, yes, there's one a and one B with the sec and the big 10. It is still like, or that everything that is right behind them as a whole top to bottom, like consistent and stable, the big 12 is there, right? Like it's, if, the SEC and Big Ten start taking ACC schools, that's going to blow up, right? Like the, you know, everyone in the Pac-12 currently is assessing their entire life and their future and trying to figure out what, what the hell they're going to do. And no Big 12 team is going to leave to go into that situation. It's like, if you're the Big 12, why would you voluntarily choose to go play more of your games outside of your current footprint and have more travel to the Pacific time zone and want to go play against Stanford where there's 8,000 fans in the stadium and you're kicking off at 11 central, 11 PM central. Like they don't want, like no big 12 school is going to want that without USC and UCLA there as anchors. And especially if Stanford, Oregon and Washington bail on the league as well. So, you know, and right, so it's, right. there's no scenario in which it's like the big 12 has all the cards like there. And that's something where I feel, you know, there were some, there's some, um, the only people on the planet are Utah fans who are saying that this is, well, one, they're the, just like they're the only ones who thought the Alliance meant anything. They're the only ones who think like the Pac-12 has any type of power right now and is holding any of the cards in the situation because literally every single national writer, like one after the other is like saying, it'll be interesting to see what the Big 12 does. They can capitalize and pull a couple teams over and they have all the power now. It's like, this is amazing how it's gone from, they could get blown up to, no, we are definitely solidifying ourselves as the number three league with 16 yeah. teams that are all alike and similar and fit and good travel. And like this league makes sense. And I think, so it just, I, yeah, I mock or like the Utah fans who not, I'm the Utah fans who have mocked us for a decade of like, Oh, we made it. Like we graduated from you. You guys suck so bad. Huh? It's like the jokes on you now, like you may have won the battle, but push come shove. Like we won the war. And no matter what happens, and it, it probably what's going to happen is we're going to end up in the league together. 
and it sucks that we had that like lost decade but come you know 40 years from now no one's gonna care like do you care, care that we were in the skyline conference with montana and denver in 1955 no yeah, like no cares. none of it's gonna care the only real threat in my mind to the big 12 right now is the, well obviously the acc or the 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 big 10 and the sec like if they were to somehow decide they were going to take tcu and oklahoma state and baylor and move them into the sec and kansas went to the big T- yeah that would suck right i mean it's, but it's I unlikely think anybody at this point thinks that they're gonna that's gonna do that if they were gonna do it they would have done it right right i mean if they, they would have done it when texas and ou left so i don't think it's gonna happen the only other real threat to the big 12 is if somehow the ACC tries to solidify themselves and they're able to lure, you know, three or four schools away from the Big 12. But they're locked but into that, they're locked into they that TV contract for t- till 2036. And right. that, would, that would require ESPN to say, oh, okay, well, we're going to renegotiate that and pay you more money, which they're not right. going to do. They're not. And so that's why the timing of this really has worked out well for the Big 12. Their TV contract, like their money isn't going to be as secure, right? Like that's up in the air still. They got to figure out their value and all of that. But with their TV contract coming up in the next couple of years, they're fluid at the right time. They're flexible at the right time. Their central geography allows them to go left or right or both or neither. And the Big 12 is, at this point, the Big 12 is in the most flexible position of any other conference and that flexibility is going to become the best asset that they have in the next five to 10 years. Agreed. Because of that flexibility, I believe the Big 12 ends up being the third conference. And are they the, AC, or the, are they the SEC? Are they the Big 10? Of course not. But they're going to be able to pick up what's left and be the, the third best. And at that point, after that, then it's just, you do what you can with the resources you have and you try to grow programs and compete. And eventually you hope that the cyclical nature of college athletics swings back in your fortune a little bit and you establish new powerhouses, right? Uh, All of these schools, USC and you've got USC and UCLA and Michigan and Michigan State and Penn State and Ohio State and Wisconsin. Like you've got all these schools that have been powerhouses eventually like they're going to start beating each other like some of those schools it might consistently go seven and five eight and four do they still have the cachet after five years of that ten years of that are they still recruiting at the same level no right i mean purdue has been in the big 10 for a really long time is purdue like some sought after school like no not at all right are people bending over backwards to hurry up and go and play at arkansas i don't think so and they've been in the SEC for a really long time. And so eventually, even these big names, unless they win, everything kind of might even itself out. Now, the money's not going to be equitable, but if you can get to that third conference, that's all you've got to do. And then you just got to do best, do the best with what you got and let time pass by. But I think B, the Big 12 is flexible, and that flexibility is going to to prove to be incredibly valuable. Right. Uh, also, there were a couple of commitments this week. There were. I mean, 
Landon Chambers is like an all-time record-setting running back out of Texas. He's committed to BYU. That's I don't really understand how he has not gotten. I more. think it's top end speed. I don't think it's there. That's true. He doesn't. He is not fast. Like he is a like he is definitely a bruiser. But he yeah. and the game is a lot more spread out and really built around. Um, you know, everyone is wants fast right now, and it's he's definitely more of a classic like '90s. He's a yeah. 1990s running back. And uh, Pearson Watson also committed linebacker out of Arizona. I like this this pickup quite a bit, actually, more than a lot of people do. Um, I mean, I like him because of the genetics, right? Like it's yeah, his dad was a college athlete. His his uncles, Jaden Wag- Wagner, Aaron Wagner, like they played at BYU. He's got a modest offer list right, right. now. Air and Force, that's Nevada. his mom is their sister. So it's not Correct. like his dad is a third brother and it's only half the It's like he's got genes both sides. Yeah. Right. And yep. it's, it's like if you're going to take if you're going to take a flyer on a kid who plays at a small school in Flagstaff, Arizona, right? Like it's not like there's a ton of talent coming out of Flagstaff and you're like, if you're going to take a flyer on a kid. That's the kind. It's like he's 6'3", 210. So it's like he he'll could go on a mission. He'll go on a mission. Who knows like he what's going to happen? Linebacker. He could go inside. He can go outside. He could bulk up and play in edge. Like he can play three or four different positions. And he's got the genetic history to where you say like, okay, like you will probably grow into something. Versus like, yeah, you showed up and you were halfway okay at camp and you happen to be six six. Let's throw you an offer to play defense. Right. No, and and I'll say this. And this is bold. And this is just me. This is my opinion. People might think I'm wrong. If Pearson Watson was playing at Chandler High School and he was going to the same type of camps and on the same circuit that most of those Chandler kids are on, I think I think Pearson Watson is a higher, a more highly rated recruit than Leona Lefau, who just committed to Texas. That is a bold move. That I think he's statement. that good. So I did have, speaking of recruiting, we do have one question here um, that somebody listening asked me. So how do you think the news of this USC and UCLA thing, how do you think this will affect Pac-12 recruiting classes for the other 10 schools like this season? Like it will be uncertainty of what the heck is going to happen change you know where the what the rest of the schools are able to do i am usually in the minority here but most i'm speaking generally like there's going to be exceptions of course most recruits aren't crazy diehard college football fans they're not so if Oregon comes and offers a kid and that kid grew up loving the uniforms and the flash that Oregon has, they don't give one damn about the conference affiliation. Not one. It's still Oregon. Now, if they are a player deciding between Washington state and uh, Illinois, maybe it becomes a factor, but by and large this year, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter at all. What matters is, is, is perception over time, right? Uh, P5 didn't mean that much initially. 
right? After that first round of realignment, when Utah got in, they saw a little bit of an uptick in their recruiting because of the buzz right initially in that first class. But then their second, third, and fourth classes weren't that much better than where they, they normally were. Right. But as they started to win in the conference, and then that P5 moniker became a bigger and bigger and bigger deal, the kids who had grown up in the previous era of football that were, you know, maybe in ninth grade when Utah moved to the Pac-12 conference, uh, once those kids got through high school and it was the next wave of high school kids, that's when P5 started to matter for Utah. And I think it's going to be the exact same. So this year, there's going to be exceptions. Like Walker Lyons is a college football fan. He might right. take a pragmatic look at this and take a step back and reevaluate things. But most of these kids don't care. Yeah. And I think does even more if, say, in like two weeks, you know, the, the four mountain schools in the Pac-10 get an invite to the Big 12. And so the Pac-12 is only left with six pro schools. Then do you think that there can be enough negative recruiting unless, you know, Oregon and Washington are close to pulling something out of their own hat? Um, you know, I think it's, I think Oregon, I think feel like Oregon and Washington and Stanford might be the only three schools left where their brand is enough that they could continue to sell somebody, but like, a Cal, an Oregon State, a Colorado, a Washington State, like you said, it's, there will be enough negative recruiting from other schools that even if they're not cultural fans, I feel like they will, that will wear on them, right? Like, I, th I think, like you said, like the top may be unaffected, but that bottom half where things are iffy, especially if a couple more schools jump ships and get an invite in the next month or so, I think it's going to be really easy to be like, you don't want to go into that league. You don't know what's going to happen. Like, they, I mean, I think people already do recruit against the Pac-12 based on their fandom. Like, look, nobody cares there. Nobody cares about you at that school. Like, nobody shows up to their games. It's boring, right? That's already a thing that, like, people push to those, like, you know, the mid to high three-star kids that have offers from most of the middle chunk of the P5 and or those types of programs. And, like, yes, they don't they won't put you over the edge and make you like a great, great top 10 program, but they are still the foundational like bulk of your roster. If you want to be consistently winning 10 games every year. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. So I do, it's, I don't know, there's a, it's going to be interesting. How fast do you think, how fast do you think Notre Dame will make a decision? Well, there's no rush for Notre Dame, right? Like, uh, they did not sign, as far as I know, they did not sign the Grant of Rights, whatever, with the ACC. So they're looking at a buyout. And Notre Dame has enough cachet that they could, you know, compel the conference that they're joining to, to buy them out. And so because of that, and because they're independent in football, they could join as a football-only league for a while, right? The runway for Notre Dame is two years. They've got two years until any of this actually happens, right? 2024, 2025 is the first year that, uh, that the UTOU, UCLA, and USC move to their new leagues. I don't think Notre Dame has to make a move before then. And because of the, the, the way that they're structured, they probably only need a year to back out of the next year's contract, like game contracts. 
to really make that happen. So yeah. I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow, but I think that this time next year, we're probably looking a little bit more closely at Notre Dame. Um, I do think um, it did say too that it's they will have to pay some type of exit fee with mm-hmm. the, you know, like you said, with the AAC. Um, I don't know how much that is. And I don't yeah. think, I mean, and obviously the right now where they're at, where it's what they get like 15 for football and like 10 for being, yeah, in, it's, about, it's like 10, eight is what they got yeah, last year. It's like from the ACC, it's like, Hey, you're going, you're talking about going from 25 to a hundred million dollars. Like that yeah. doesn't, you, you don't care. You figure that out. And right. Notre Dame has the, has the, you know, the balls that they could walk into the big 10 conference and say, we're not taking less money. We are Notre Dame. We will have a full payout on day one, and that's a very easy accounting thing to figure out. That okay, we're gonna pay out even fifty million dollars worth of a buyout, but we're gonna get a hundred million dollars this year, folks. So we're gonna be fine. Yeah. Well, you could even say like oh, whatever this buyout is, it's like okay, our contract is gonna go from fifty-seven to a hundred million dollars, but the first year we're only getting ninety because we're covering Notre Dame's bill. Yeah. Like, right. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Like easy can, to do. Yeah. It's oh, and if Notre Dame is coming, I mean, there's a very, very logical argument that <laughs> that the Big Ten goes and gets their quote and it's a hundred million dollars now. And then when the big when Notre Dame were to go, uh, they go back and it's 115 million. And Notre Dame just says, uh, we're Notre Dame folks. So everything that you got that's above what you previously were quoted of getting. You're going to use that to pay for our buyout fees for the first year. Thank you. <laughs> then yeah. you can all have the same once we're at the same level. The What is the funniest or kind of like most ridiculous take that you have seen today? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I, I, I saw a lot of people that were, you know, Utah, Colorado were like on the precipice of joining the Big Ten Conference, which I think anybody with objective eyes can look at that and say, uh, no, no, no chance that's going to move that quickly. I think, honestly, any move, anybody who's claiming to have any sort of definitive knowledge is is pretty asinine right now. Yeah. The, the craziest take, I mean, the, the, the second-tier playoff is a pretty crazy take. Uh, um, I then, think... I did like the uh, there was some Utah fan that said that like the best option on the table is to for the remaining Pac-12 schools to just push for a merger with the Big Ten. With the Big Ten? The, yes. <laughs> that was, uh, was like, the only option is for presidents to merge the Pac-12 with the Big Ten. That was, that was something that somebody actually that they typed that out and thought it was a good idea. Oh yeah, that's a stupid idea. Um, so I wonder. I mean, there are people trying to say things right. Like there are the uh, there are, but it's nobody who's worth anything, right? Like there was that sideline sports guy who said Oregon and Washington have submitted their applications and they should hear something by next week. Then he kind of walked that back. Like there was some other things just saying like the Oregon, Washington, Utah, Colorado, and Arizona are the primary targets for the Pac for the big 10 to continue their expansion it's like it's one of those things where we're at the phase now where everybody is just saying things that 
are like, well, of course, if you do any level of due diligence, that's going to be involved on this, right? Like it's, you know, just like the, even last summer, right? I'm sure like the big 12, they knew who the four schools were going to be that they invited, but they probably, they fielded some phone calls with USF and Memphis and SMU and Boise just to be nice, just be courteous. So I had like the, some Boise sites and I was like, sources have told me that Boise State and San Diego State have already begun discussions with the Pac-12 and they expect to get an invite. It's like, well, maybe, but one, that's kind of like when you accepted the invite to the Big East in 2011. So it's not really the same. And two, like I would expect that like the Boise State athletic director probably talks to Pac-12 athletic directors on a near week, monthly, if not weekly basis, trying to get non-conference games scheduled and be like, hey, you know, you guys are thinking about expanding or, you know, what, what, what do you think would happen if USC would go independent? Like, what do you think the rest of the league would do? Like trying to, like, they're trying to constantly maintain those relationships, but it's like, nobody, like you said, nobody knows what's going to happen. And you can't pretend to know what's going to happen when literally not a soul rumored in the college football world before 11 a.m. today that this was going to happen and then five hours later it was a done deal yeah we don't act like you know what is happening and what strings are being pulled behind the scenes because none of you knew a damn thing and it wasn't even like naturalized like you go look at like usc's message boards ucla's message board there was not a single person who was like trust me guys this is happening like it's been in the works for months like nobody zipped like it is as tight as it was with ou and texas last year not a word. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. It's going to get crazy. I hope that the Big 12 is proactive in it. That's all that I, that's all I really hope. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I hope they're proactive and I think we will see. Um, we will see. I think that is where we will see something or like start to hear some because from these other schools, um, I, obviously nobody knows anything today, but I think we could hear some significant traction, like words coming around and things like the same thing, how word clearly started to get out about the four big 12 invitees after like that immediately started picking up traction and people, you know, like, Hey, we know conversations and have whatever, because those schools are trying to market themselves. Like they are not hiding it. They are not trying to do this in secret. Like they're trying to jump ship and get in there as fast as they can. And uh, the Big 12, though, and I, I, I think you're right, but the Big 12 did run through their circus of realignment and expansion two years before. So they were pretty prepared. That's true. And I don't know that other schools or, or other conferences are that prepared. But like the Big 12 knew everything about the four schools that they added immediately. You know, as soon as Texas and OU left and they went, okay, we are going to stick through this together, we need to add they already knew who they were going to add because they had all the data. They had all the pitches. They had all their votes from two years before everybody knew who to add at that point. Right. That is true. Um, and so that may speed things up a bit, but at the same time, I think with the kind of the PAC 12 schools, you're not talking about like a big a G5 true. talking about right. recommitting it. Like it, you're working with more of a known quantity where it's like, how much due diligence do you need to do on the ASU or U of A athletic department to decide if you want to take them or not, All right? There's no, like, we think we can grow into this because of X, Y, Z. We just need more resources. It's like, you're inviting a peer to say, hey, come sit with us at this table. And that's a that. good point. And I, I think that's fair. 
Um, if I was the Big 12, I mean, Cal, what's the first call you make? Is it the, is it the mountain schools that they already supposedly had? Or do you try to go to the ACC? Man, I, I mean, I am obviously, I am jealous, or not jealous, biased here. I want the Arizona schools to go. So, by the way, they actually, I don't know, the athletic, I don't know if you saw this a few months ago, they did a poll of um, Big 12 fans. They pull, They did a survey of 1,500 Big fans yep. at different schools, and they asked them, like, put in schools that you would consider, like, or would think would be good ads. And the two leaders, it was like ASU and U of A both got, like, 65% of the people marked them. And then the next highest one was like Boise at like 28 in SMU at like 28%. It was like Boise, SMU, Memphis, kind of like all huddled together. And so I think the, like the fit is there with like basketball and the kind of, you know, they're the, like, they're kind of in a weird part with like the big 12, like, yes, they're part of the PAC 12, but then they're not like, they're still not the way the same as those pack eight schools like that, the, that pack eight. And then the four newer schools are still just like those four newer schools are just different. Right. And so I think though, I think that would probably be something where I would be surprised if, like you said, those conversations haven't already happened at some point, like just to have feelers. Like I would be shocked. Yeah, if, that's a good point. I would be shocked if the ADs and present at, ASU and U of A had not already had some level of communication with other Big 12 schools just to, like I said, with like the boys said, like keep that relationship warm and try to prime that pump a little bit in case yeah. something like this happened. The last thing we've, we've rambled for a while. We haven't had an agenda, folks. This has just been us talking. The last thing I, I will say, well, and it's more of a question for you. Um, does a school like Missouri you know, a school who, it, 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 look, if Utah were to accept the, a Big Ten invite today, right, if they were to get it and they were to go, Utah is essentially accepting mediocrity, right? Like, there's no way that Utah is going to consistently compete in the same conference as Michigan, Ohio State, USC, Penn State, Wisconsin, every right. year. Right, like, it took them a down year for the league to be able to win the conference after a decade. I mean, you, you and, and everyone won eight. Right. And they, Utah, like they didn't win an FBS non-conference game. Right. So, so, right. And so, it's, so if you're a team like Missouri, who's already there, if you're a team like Nebraska, who can't compete in the big 10 as it exists today, is there a world where you look at your, uh, your options and you say, guys, it might be more financially viable for us to walk away from the TV money of the Big Ten and go to the Big 12 where we can maybe win conference championships, where we can keep an engage our fan base engaged. Or are, you know, is Missouri... Are they accepting that, hey, we're going to get $100 million, whatever the SEC ends up getting. We're going to get $100 million from the SEC every year. We're going to be a 5-7 and seven team. We're going to celebrate if we ever make it to a bowl. And that's who we are. Is there a world where they look at leaving these elite leagues because they say, wow, they just keep adding powerhouse after powerhouse and we're not a powerhouse? 
yeah i i think there may be something to it right and it's i don't know that's that's a good point of like what at what point does it do something for you versus becoming purdue right yeah like, i mean look yes, at illinois football like is anybody like, yeah they're getting a, yeah they're getting 60 million dollars a year but what yeah what does illinois or indiana or purdue like what do right. those schools you know maryland rutgers like they're still a bottom half of the big 10 that... and, and so you know a school like rutgers or, or even maryland like you know if they were to leave they're probably still at the bottom tier of the big 12 so in my mind it's like yeah they you know take your check because you're going to be at the bottom no matter what you do but a school like nebraska like nebraska fans remember national championships like that's the expectation and lincoln is national championships are they looking at this? Do they think that they could compete and they're just, you know, a few pieces away and then we're, we're competing with Ohio state and USC and all these schools, or are they looking at it and saying, woof, that big 12 sure looks nice right now. I also wonder too, what, how this changes if, I mean, I don't even say if, when the playoff expands, cause I don't, I mean, I guess maybe but, there's a world when the playoff expands and it's like the or you know or it's just breaks off in the SEC and the Big Ten do their own thing against each other. But I think there's a world in which they open up to have a wider playoff, like an eight or twelve team playoff, where being in the ACC or the Big Twelve clears that path for you easier. Yeah. And it, you know, like you said, which was kind of like what those are the rumors of like what Lincoln Riley right supposedly said. Hey, I don't want to go to the SEC because of you know, this, the roadblock yeah. of, of Oklahoma had a better path to winning a championship in the big 12 than being in the sec. And I think USC being in the PAC 10 or the PAC 12 has that path. Right. And so obviously maybe he knew, maybe he just said that, or those are rumors, whatever, um, given where things are at now, but you know, there's, there is that in kind of seeing, you know, what is going to happen with that. But like, yeah, I don't know of, you know, maybe will they assess that, you know, is, they're a situation where the Big Ten and the SEC break off and just abandon all resemblance of amateurism altogether? Or will they, even though they're getting all that money, decide, no, we want to, we need to have a bigger playoff to avoid some type of antitrust lawsuit or like avoid having to treat these players as employees versus like some type of pseudo student athlete slash employee contractor middle, you know, like you're like a something some new status of a type of employee right um kind of similar to like how minor league baseball players don't have to make minimum wage or whatever and so there's i think there is just as much as there's an argument for there's the power to and they're going to completely break away i think there is something for them to say no we don't want to completely break away because if they break away and only play each other then half their teams are going to have losing records or be 500, right? Whereas now they say, go play crappy teams in non-conference, try to go three and oh, and then you only need to win three conference games to get to six and six and go to a bowl game. And you can't do that if you are a standalone league and you can't, you know, right? And so it, that creates more problems. And then it creates like, are you getting into issues where, you know, does just having an expanded playoff where you say, hey, we are like, it's 12 teams, but we're going to get eight of the 12, so it doesn't matter. And that is better for you long-term, you know, where it's like, I don't think the SEC is not going to like, 
you know, last year the Pac-12 voted against a playoff expansion because I don't know, I have literally have no idea why, but the SEC is not going to like cut off its nose to spite its face. Like they are going to be very, and either is the big time, like they're going to be very methodical and precise in terms of legal ramifications, in terms of pay ramifications for players and like what breaking off into their own league separate from the NCAA as a completely separate entity, like what that would mean for them and their, and their athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be crazy. That's all we going, know. It's going this to be was crazy. rambling. It's this, was a be lot crazy. Of, this was a lot of rambling. Um, I did have one thing that I saw from Ryan Cartier, who's uh, like the Pac-12 reporter for the LA Times or the USC beat writer. He asked Mike Bone, the USC AD, and the AAC said one of the, the first thing he noted was the intensity of interest in their base. And that is the biggest thing where we've said is like the Pac-12 is a friggin' joke and nobody cares, right? Like it's nobody, the outside of those two schools, and even then it's still yeah, like the Coliseum. Yeah, I mean, the Coliseum was still empty last year, right? right. Like it's right. when BYU played there, it's like outside of Oregon, Washington, UCLA, I mean, it's, I mean, Utah has a very good fan base who shows up, they sell their games, whatever. It's like most of the schools, three-fourths of that league doesn't have a pulse. And that's why I don't think that the idea that the Big 12 goes west is set in stone. I think the Arizona schools make a lot of sense. I think Utah makes a lot of sense, and Colorado has history. So those four schools are going to be tied to the Big 12 rumors forever, and that makes sense. But even Oregon and definitely Washington. I don't know. Like those fan bases are not engaged. If those teams have a down year, they don't care. And Washington fans aren't going to show up to Husky stadium to watch Washington play Texas tech. They're just not unless Washington is undefeated. Good. They're not going to show up to watch a game against Iowa State. Like they'll show up. They don't show up to watch games against teams that they have a history with. They're definitely not going to show up and watch teams from the Midwest or Texas that aren't named Texas. They're just not. And so I don't know. Like the Arizona schools are fairly consistent, Arizona State more so than Arizona, but they're at least consistent. If not spectacular, they're consistent in their eh-ness. There's a floor that you can kind of get to and see and okay. Utah, I think we don't know. Again, we really don't know much about Utah. Like we don't. We know a lot about Whittingham's Utah. We have yet to see Utah be Utah. Um, But I think that they're going to be fairly consistent. And then Colorado just has that history. So outside of that, though, if you know if, if if Utah wants to hold out hope for a Big Ten offer and they turn their nose at the Big Twelve, I don't see any reason for the Big Twelve to say, "Ah, oh, crap!" Utah said no. We better we better immediately call Washington. We better immediately call Stanford. I don't see a reason. Yeah. Um, one thing too that I just noticed that so the Big Ten over Memorial Day a month ago, it was announced that like Fox had reached the an agreement with them to be their primary broadcast partner and it was looking like cbs was going to get in with them and the sec on cbs that espn bought out like that was probably going to get replaced with the big 10 on cbs and even before this happened it was projected that the big 10 was going to be the first conference that collected 
a billion dollars annually to be spread out among its schools. That was before you added USC and UCLA. Now, so now they were saying, you know, so now that's like $60 million per school just from TV. That's not including like NCAA basketball credits and championship credits and all the mm. other types of money that you can get. Um, with this added in, apparently is now reported that um, obviously the USC and UCLA are going to bring even more money on top of that billion dollars. Um, the it's probably going to be a little after Labor Day that it will be finalized. And Amazon, ESPN, and ABC are competing for the third package. And then as because, like now Apple is trying to get in. And if Apple's trying to decide that they want, they're doing the MLB thing, like it, this could be where Apple also is like, okay, well now we are very interested in throwing like that $100 million is not wild at all. Like this could easily be like 110 115 if apple who has cash to burn is like we are going to throw all our money behind this because we know that they have ardent enough fans that care enough that they will find like tune in on apple tv to plus because you know to watch their team and like it will be our segue into sports broadcasting alongside mlb and the mls contract that they just doled out last week right and so this this could be very not just in terms of alignment like this could be monumental in terms of the future of broadcast and media and college football consumption as a whole alongside NIL and everything else. And really, I think it was probably OU in Texas last year, but def definitively today you can count uh, June 30th, 2022 as the day that college football, as you grew up loving it, died like for good is not coming back is never coming back. The game will fundamentally be different and change. And like, it's going to be super conferences and paid players and all the things that happened with Texas leaving and NIL becoming a thing last year. Like it's even more prevalent now. So if you had any hope of it staying what it was, that's probably gone. So either find a new hobby or just come to terms with this is what it's going to be going forward. Yep. Uh, it has been a great episode. We rambled. It was long. May break it up and it's a long weekend. Break it up in two parts and uh, and let us know how the sound sounds. And let us know how the sound sounds. I'm gonna probably listen. I back. feel good about it. I do feel good about it. I do. It's it's kind of the whole playing back in my ears kind of weird thing. It kind of felt like I was on an airplane. Like my ears like pressurizing because yeah. I wasn't used yeah. to it. But um, yeah, we'll see how it sounds. And uh, so join us on the discord if you go to the website click the discord button you can hop in there um if you are a vip let us know when you join so that way we can get you into the vip channels it was popping today i don't i think i can somehow go in and log in and see stats but i think we had probably 2500 messages like it was flying today and it was a great time it is truly the best community for talking to other byu fans anywhere on the internet so come join us and until next week jeff give them hell give them hell